Ladies and gentlemen, drinkers of all countries, welcome to Whiskey and the World, episode four, season two. Today we are drinking Tullamore Dew XO Caribbean Cask Irish Whiskey. Caribbean Rum Cask finish. Good Lord. Anyway, it's a mouthful. <laughs> it is a mouthful. It's, it's a long one, but you know, you have all these It's companies. a ridiculous name. If a, dr- if a drunken Irishman can't remember it. It, you shouldn't you name your whiskey it. Because if he's going to go to order it, he's going to go... Give me the rum one. Oh, give me the one with the rum in it. Or, or just... Oh, it's, it's such a long name. <laughs> Seamus, do you remember what it's called? <laughs> and and you're never going to sell any of it. Anyway, so we're drinking the Tullamore Dew XO Caribbean Rum Cask Finish Irish Whiskey. We're going to be talking about bad times at the El Royale. Mm-hmm. And why we can't have nice things. Yeah. Now, you may be wondering... Normally, we have musical guests. Or a guest. Or at least a guest. This week, Kitty and I decided to keep it intimate. Mm. Um, also, you know, we ran out of time. Uh, but we <laughs> did. We ran out of time because we spent our Saturday with yeah. the gentleman from Grow Music at the final jam session at Sound Matrix Studios. Well, it's actually the second to the last. So if you're listening to this on Wednesday, you can still catch them in two days on Friday. Um, they're doing one last jam at Sound Matrix. So They're going to tear the house down. Yes. So everybody is invited. So if you guys missed it before, make sure you check it out. So it's at Sound Matrix Studios in Fountain Valley. And if you head over to our Instagram, that's the best place to find all the information about yeah. that. I mean, it was my last jam there. And I'll, I'll be honest, yeah. it was quite emotional. But we'll get into that in a little bit uh so tell us a little bit about the telemore do xo caribbean cask caribbean rum cask finish irish whiskey so you know one thing that i was actually thinking about as you were just saying this just one well well just one for starters is i wonder how popular this is in ireland you know like for people who drink Tullamore Dew, i wonder if people are excited to try new stuff like i guess the biggest comparison for us would be like when jack daniels comes out with something new or when like a local kentucky some you know comes out with yeah. something new something well when weird, you got something like jack something daniels different. honey or uh, yeah like are people clamoring to the bar to try it or are they very old school over there where it's like oh okay like you know kudos for intervention but leave it to the young kids like you know do they you've been doing that by the way what you've been <laughs> you've been inventing words intervention is not a word in a, what did I say? You meant you meant to either go invention or inv- in innovation. Oh my god! Like yesterday, <laughs> I I put it together. <laughs> yesterday you said lasterday. Last okay, when no, you that, meant that to was, say the last time or yesterday. That was that was a total slip up, and that was this, fantastic. This probably though. was yeah. I but, think lasterday should be in the dictionary. <laughs> but you know, it's funny is you totally knew what I'm talking about. Yeah. But wasn't it a couple episodes ago we were talking about words that don't actually that aren't things oh yeah ratchet yeah. and yeah and, i forget uh, what the other ones were because ratchet was the one i complained about anyway yeah let's talk about the drink yes. um you um, know what so we actually covered tillamore dew in episode 19 so if you guys are curious about that head over to or head back to itunes because you're probably already there um and listen to episode 19 so i go into a little bit more history Finish this of, one first but yeah of tillamore dew um, and actually, here's a little fun fact for you. So Tillamore Dew, D-E-W, actually stands for Daniel E. Williams. And it's the original triple distilled, triple blended whiskey. It is, of course, as we've been saying, Irish. Um, you can visit the distillery in Tullamore, Ireland. They have tastings, classes, all kinds of stuff to further your whiskey education. But what makes this one ne- unique? <clears throat> 
So we have the XO rum cask finish, which is designed to pay tribute to the role that the Irish immigrants played in the development of rum in the Caribbean in the 17th century. So it's kind of a cool little nod that they're giving to their own culture and sort of developing the other areas. So what you're going to taste in this is they use the barrels that are previously used to age Demerara rum. And that particular... Oh yeah, I'm definitely getting that. Yeah, the that particular demo, rum. Demo, demigod rum. <laughs> See, I didn't make that one up. Um, has a lot of tropical fruit, warm spices, and it's originally produced along the Demerara River where the sugar plantations were. So you're getting a lot of sweetness, but I got to say, this is really not overly sweet. It's a very nice, drinkable Irish whiskey. It's just got maybe a little bit more tropical fruit notes. I mean, sometimes I'm getting more taste... spice, which is nice. Yeah, it's because you know what's funny is actually the color looks very... It looks like rum. Yeah, it looks like it looks like dark rum. I mean, I know rum and whiskey tend to be very similar in color. They're all brown, but it's it's (laughs) definitely not like super duper sweet. If anything, it's a little bit more smoky and it's darker and it's. It is a little sweeter than I think Tullamore Dew normally is. Like I wouldn't, Mm. I would mix Tullamore Dew with some sort of sugar beverage, like with a Coke or with, um, I don't know, some like an old fashioned maybe. Okay. Um, yeah, so I don't think I would do that with in. this because I feel like it's already got enough sweetness in it that yeah. you might want to use it to balance out maybe a more um, bitter or a more citrus cocktail. Well, it's funny you mention that because the cocktail that I wanted to design, I, I thought for a long time about this because, you know, I was thinking, oh, let's go with like a tiki cocktail. Maybe I can make a zombie or something. But I found this recipe that for a hurricane and I kind of modified it to use this because I wanted it to be similar but not quite as sweet so I took out the grenadine added in amaretto which is more of like an almondy uh, kind of flavor but it actually has a little bit of that cherry to it and it's a little bit less cloyingly sweet now amaretto exactly. is still pretty sweet it's but still it's got a good sugar too. but it's not so syrupy mm-hmm. yeah and it yeah. doesn't change the color because it's the same color as the whiskey so you're what you're going to miss in this beverage is you're not going to get that reddish orange change to it right yeah it's gonna it's gonna because you're gonna have what's typically in um the fruit juices of a hurricane is gonna be pineapple juice and orange juice you know so you get a little bit of the tart orange to kind of cut through and then you get that pineapple to be a little sweet on there so yeah so check out my recipe for the tropical storm by heading over to youtube i'll show you guys exactly how to make it and it's really easy and it's actually very delicious so youtube.com slash whiskey in the world that is your drink in our happy hour episode for this week mm-hmm. so in terms of this whiskey it's you know what it's fairly smooth it's been open our bottle's been open for about a week and a half now so it's uh it's had a little bit of time to aerate so it's smoothed out just a tad, but it mm. was never very sharp to begin with. No. Like it's it didn't have that very alcohol forward, very sharp flavor that a lot of less expensive whiskeys tend to have. But you know, I always find with Irish whiskey that it does tend to be a little bit smoother. Because it I tends th- to be a little bit sweeter. I think so, yeah. It's a little bit lighter, so it's lighter on the flavors. It's not, you know, a peaty scotch or something. Yeah. I am know. definitely getting that uh spice note from the rum that it like from the rum cask. So you're definitely getting a nice pleasant kind of spiced rum kind of flavor from it you're not really getting the same kind of flavor profile as rum but it's definitely imparted some of that spiciness to it so as you folks at home may or may not know this season we've changed to a 10 point rating five points for the taste and the smell or what your actual drinking experience is and then five points for the overall packaging the branding the story of the whiskey itself because you know 
it is what's inside the book that matters, but it's what mm-hmm. covers the book that makes you take it home. Uh, so for me, my score for this whiskey, in terms of taste and smell, was a 3.4. And for Kitty... Mine is a 4. I really like this. This is something that I... I would definitely have, and I know we talked about this before, that, um, you know, for me, if it's a four or above, it's something that I would have around. I hope this, you know, gains in popularity so it does stick around. I like it. It's smooth. It's something a little bit different. Um, I think that if you have someone who enjoys Irish whiskey, let them try this. You know, buy a bottle, make them try it. I, You know, but I've always been a big fan of Tillamore Dew. I think, you know, they have really good stuff, and I like to see... She came around to it anyway. Well, you know, I like to see this sort of small departure, and it's not a total flip, so you still get all that really nice blending of the Tillamore Dew with just a little bit of, oh, okay, there's a little extra sweetness. There's a little tropical feel to it. So 4.0, solid for me. I think... Um... Oh, I totally lost it. See what happens when I don't interrupt you? I'm sorry. <laughs> That's all right. Don't apologize for finishing Right, I'm sentence. not sorry. <laughs> um, in terms of packaging and in terms of overall story and whatnot, I think it's interesting that they are doing a... <clears throat> a, 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 a I'm losing my words. All right. Well, I'll, I'll take it. You come, you come back. Yeah. Okay. So for me, the packaging is a 3.5. Very solid. Uh, it's in their initial, their, or I'm sorry, rather their, it's, it's in their traditional shape. I know (laughs) it's the rum makes me crazy. Um, it's in the traditional shaped bottle, which I love. And they just have this really nice label on it. And it actually, it did catch my eye on the shelf because you don't see many Irish whiskeys. I mean, their typical colors are going to be like that cream and green, but it's going to be like a Kelly green and not, this is green, but it's, this is more like a teal. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what I was going to say is storyline wise, I do like that they're paying homage to the Irishman who worked in the rum trade, which I think is very cool. At the same time though, it's a Tullamore Dew bottle with a green, with a different color green. So it caught my eye, but it wasn't Mm. like, uh, I think I said this on, on the YouTube channels, like, you look at brands that really knock it out of the park when it comes to special releases. You look at guys like uh, McAllen, where when they do a special release, oftentimes it's a different label, it's a different shaped bottle, and it usually comes in a really nifty box. Yeah, you know, and I think, uh, unfortunately, you don't get a whole lot of... No, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm reading the back of the bottle as I'm speaking here. Um, it does actually tell you the story if you were to pick it up in the store and kind of flip it over, but who, you'll get but more. But who on the reads website. the back of their liquor well, bottle? And that's well, but that's what I'm saying. Like you have to, it has to still catch your eye before you even flip it over and want to read it. Yeah. So, so in terms of uh, presentation, overall packaging, I'm going to give it a 3.2, which brings my overall uh, rating to a 6.6. And with my taste of a four and presentation of 3.5, I have a 7.5. So overall for whiskey and the world, we give it a 7.05 not bad not bad it's definitely uh you know i think it was 24 dollars. yeah mid 20s definitely mid uh, high 20s yeah for for a mid to a mid 20s dollar bottle it's really definitely not a bad daily drinker uh it's not one it's definitely one i would bring to a party i was gonna say it's a good <clears throat> summer whiskey oh know? absolutely i know it's fall right now but i would definitely i hope that like i said i hope it sticks around because yeah bring it out for summertime yeah uh so yeah so anyway this week in cinema, we covered Bad Times of the El Royale, which, I, you know, I wasn't really keen on it. But this week, we didn't really have a lot of choices. In, well, in, in my yeah. opinion, it was this. It was that or First Man, which I still very much want to see. I'm iffy. 
Mm, okay. I'm, I guarantee you Neil Armstrong is really excited that uh, <laughs> Ryan Gosling is playing him, but that's about all I can say that I thought was interesting about that movie. So well, this, and that's that's the movie that I couldn't think of the other day with the we were talking about the girl in the spider's web and, with Claire Foy, yeah. yeah, with Claire Foy. So it's First Man. So so <clears throat> I really didn't want to like this movie, and I came out of the theater not a convert. I didn't hate this movie, but I didn't love it. Kitty, where are you at with this film? Um, overall. I thought the cinematography was really well done. I love, I mean, just the lighting was fantastic and the way some of the shots were set up and, you know, you kind of get this very um, clue aspect to it with the way the story told. Yeah. When we saw the uh, trailer, that's what we said. We're like, oh, it's clue for this generation. Yeah. Um, now, I, I think you're always running into a little bit of trouble when you have such a star-studded cast um, and we'll get into that in a minute, but. Notice that she said star-studded and not talented. Well, <laughs> but you you bring all these people together and, you know, you kind of don't think that they're all going to work together well. And, and there surprise, was, they didn't. Well, there were some parts that worked and then there were other parts where, you know, it just didn't work as well as I, I think the, the hope was there. So, all right. So before we go any further, uh, we want to let you know that we're about to spoil the crap out of this for you. Major and, spoilers. And with it, go, with it being a murder mystery thriller kind of a story, you've been forewarned. So... Official spoiler alert from Whiskey in the World. Um, All right. Turns out that communism was a red herring. (laughs) Oh, man. I... Do you want to go or you want me to go? Um, Because I got lots to say. Okay, let's let's start with the beginning. Okay, so today we watched El Royale because... Bad times at the El Royale. Yeah, so... (laughs) That one. We watched bad times. <laughs> we watched bad times at the El Royale because it's kind of one of those weird weeks at the theaters where there's not a whole lot going on. Well, First Man came out, and I still want to see that one, but I think this one. I, you know, just as a filmmaker, I was like, all right, I gotta see this one. I feel like it's gonna be really cool cinematically, and and I think you, you definitely paid off that way. Yeah, I wasn't disappointed in that regard. Um, in so. terms of First Man, I think First Man for me is gonna be like Lincoln, where like you get it as a screener. And then we never watch it. Yeah, that's what that's going to be for me. Anyway, well, you watched Lincoln. I didn't. It's still sitting on the shelf. Yeah. Anyway, so the movie starts out. And I, it took me by surprise because it, it, um, it subverted some expectations for me. The movie okay. starts out and I'm like, is that Nick Offerman? <laughs> and Kat's like, I think so. Because it's kind of a, it's a single camera shot from far away. Mm-hmm. And Nick Offerman busts into a hotel room. Yeah. Uh, that, I mean, he's clearly, he's rented the hotel room, but he's... But you can tell he's up to no good. And he's in a hurry, and you can tell he's a little panicked. Mm-hmm. So he closes the door, he locks it, he shuts the curtains after checking to see if anybody's out there. And he's got a gun, so again, you kind of yeah. have that aspect of something's up. Exactly. So then he turns the radio on to listen to some music, and it's he turns it up kind of loud so you can tell he's about, he's trying to hide himself. So then he proceeds to move all of the furniture to one side of the room, pull back the carpet, and rip the floor up. Then he hides whatever was in the bag that he brought in the room in the floorboards, rolls the carpet back, puts all the furniture back, and then proceeds to wait. Mm -hmm. And it's not clear how long he waited for, but the eventually there's a knock at the door. He picks up his gun, he puts out a cigarette, picks up his gun, and he goes to look, opens the door, and then relaxes. So it's clearly somebody he knows. Right. So he invites the guy in. As he turns his back, the guy shoots him. Right in the back, just blows him away. And it was visceral. Actually, the, when... It was when, really shocking. The people that get killed in this movie, like, it's the, 
it's what I imagine actually being shot by a gun would look like. Ooh, like it's very yeah. visceral. Yeah. Um, anyway, so then we flash to being introduced to one of our first main characters. So then we have uh, one of the, I feel, one of the breakout stars of this film. Uh, she plays Darlene Sweet. Her name is Cynthia Erivo. I hope I'm saying that right. Cynthia Erivo. Um, and She's I'm amazing. Actually, I'm actually really excited to see her in the upcoming film, Widows. Yeah. So that'll be fantastic. I think that's the movie, the summer, the end of summer or fall movie that you and I are looking forward to the most. Yeah, it comes out in November. But um, anyway, so so she pulls up. She pulls up in her car, and she goes to get her things out of her trunk. She's going to, you know, check into the motel. But then as she's getting things out of her trunk, she looks over, and she sees this older man outside at the motel staring at one of the doors. And she, you know, asks if he needs any help, and he turns around. It's Jeff Bridges, so he's playing Father Daniel Flynn. So you see that he's a man of the cloth. You know, he turns around, and he's got the collar. And anyway, so he offers to help her bring her things inside. So they walk inside the lobby. And now they're in this weird lobby and they see John Hamm, who is making coffee. He's like behind one of the bars here. And he's and he's, he's helping himself. Yeah. So he's like waiting to check in. And he's well, like, oh, we don't know that at first. So at first, it's, it's very unclear to me. It wasn't clear to me whether or not Jeff Bridges or um, John Hamm was working at the hotel right or if he was a guest at the hotel but then he makes a big deal about you see that that's my luggage there i'm first in line when the bellhop finally gets off his lazy butt to come and check us in yeah just so you know that's proper etiquette he makes a huge deal out of that so he's and he's clearly (laughs) trying to get the honeymoon suite and he Mm -hmm. makes up this story about how uh he's never stayed there and his company's paying for this trip so he wanted that and he and he's basically calling dibs right so eventually he makes coffee for everybody uh and makes everybody drink the damn coffee and then finally the rings rings the bell and the bellhop comes out and the bellhop does his whole speech he's like hey welcome to the el royale you can stay on the california side or the nevada side because you have seen there's this big red stripe that goes right down the center of the El Royale so you can stay literally on California or Nevada and it was funny because he makes sort of some distinctions of you know California's dollar extra which I thought was really funny being in California he's like yeah California's dollar extra and he goes John Hamm goes why is is that side just better what makes it a dollar better he goes nothing yeah (laughs) Um, so John Hamm makes a big stink about getting the, the honeymoon suite they finally get, uh, he, he gets everybody to drink the coffee, which nobody really wants the coffee but him. Then the singer, Darlene, finally gets the bellhop to come out of his cave. And he explains the hotel, you know, there's a California side, the Nevada side, there's things you can do on the Nevada side that you can't do on the California side, blah, blah, blah. Except for he points out that they lost their liquor license, John Hamm does. Or not that he points out that he lost their gambling license. So you can't gamble on the Nevada side. No, it's the liquor license. Yeah. yeah, so you get the liquor so license on the, on the California side, side yeah. but you can't it's gamble just, on the Nevada yeah, side. Yeah, it's, it's all like, okay, whatever. We're in Lake Tahoe. It's just yeah. bizarre, right? So anyway, um, so they all end up getting their respective rooms, but in the middle of them checking out, or checking in, rather, uh, a char- another character shows up, Dakota Johnson, um, and it's uh, her name is Emily, 
and she shows up. She's this like hippie chick or whatever, and she gets this room. And anyway, so then she goes away and checks in. She's kind of a non-character. And then we follow John Ham, check into his room, and what he does is he finds all these bugs. Yeah, he starts ripping it over the room yeah. apart, like like CIA, uh, FBI bugs. Well, and it turns out, surprise, that he works for the FBI. Right. So he makes a phone call and all this other stuff. So he starts to do some digging. So he's the person that we follow in the very beginning to find out that. In each room, there is a two-way mirror, so there's actually a corridor behind each of the rooms. It's a one-way mirror. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're right. A one-way mirror. Thank you. Um, and so he starts to discover that, like, they've been filming people here, and I guess, like, this was a big place. You can see that there's, you know, when, when you check in, you see that there's photos of celebrity. There's, you know, JFK, Marilyn Monroe. They make a thing about Sinatra and the Rat Pack and all that stuff, like, have stayed here. So basically, this all starts to come out and you start to find out that the kid who's running the place right now is supposed to be filming anybody famous who comes in for blackmail or for whatever. You you know, he's like, oh, he's like, if I just see anything good, I tape it and then I'm supposed to send it to the managers. Yeah, basically. But you never find out exactly who that is. He says, I don't get I I don't choose who they film. Like I get called. They tell me who to film. And Mm -hmm. then, you know, I film it and send the, the stuff to my bosses. Yeah, so it's so that's sort of like the first weird thing. But through John Hamm noticing the uh, one way mirror is that he finds that Dakota Johnson has a girl tied up in her room. Yeah, it appears as though she's kidnapped somebody. Exactly. So he calls the FBI and he's like, you know, and his directive is to not interfere. Do not get involved. Because he's just there to do surveillance and to rip out all the bugs and all that stuff. But like any gentleman in the 70s, mm-hmm. he does. And surprise, and what happens? Dakota Johnson shoots him dead with a shotgun. Oh, yeah. Meanwhile, flash to the story with the bellhop and Jeff Bridges. Uh, Jeff Bridges is there because he's trying. It turns out he is the brother of the guy who got shot in the very beginning of the movie. And he's trying to recover the money. But then he finds out that the bellhop has been secretly taping people. Mm-hmm. So he has him kind of show him stuff. And he's there when Dakota Johnson shoots John Hamm. And he gets and a And little... the bellhop gets shot in the face. Yeah. With buckshot. He survives it. Mm-hmm. But then that's kind of when sh- stuff goes to shit. Yeah. So so basically it, get, it starts to get really convoluted. But to make it a little simpler for you, if you haven't seen it and we haven't ruined it already. Um, Here's some more ruining. <laughs> Turns out Dakota Johnson's little sister fell in with what would equate to the Manson family in yeah. this movie, mm-hmm. led by none other than Chris Hemsworth, because apparently he's exactly what Charles Manson would have looked like. Uh, now, here's my here's where we get into what I didn't like about this movie. Okay. Because I feel like the rest is, is hijinks, right? The rest, now that you know that... The Manson family gets involved, and Chris Hemsworth kind of ends up being our big bad for the movie. Yeah, so you have the priest there looking for the movie. You have the singer there who's just stopped there because she can't afford to stay in Reno, where she's supposed to do a singing gig the next day. Um, you know, you have John Hamm there, who is, you're, you know, the FBI guy who's just trying to debug the place. You have the poor kid who runs the place who just doesn't who know what to do. Who has apparently seen some shit. Yeah, so then, yeah, so then you have Dakota Johnson who you know, kind of kidnapped her little sister to take her out of this cult. Yeah, she's so trying to get her sister clear of the cult, which is... the characters. Yeah. Right, okay. So now that you're caught up that far, um, this movie was weird. I, there's, there's a handful of things that like, obviously don't make sense, but I will tell you what killed it for me. Mm. I do not like Dakota Johnson. 
I do not think she's a good actor. Every time she gets on screen, I'm like, I feel like Mugatu from from Zoolander, where he's <laughs> like, it's the same look. Am I the only one that sees that? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. She's not a good actress. Well, here's the, here's the other thing, too. I did not understand her character, because her character goes through... You know, trying to go, follow the little sister to the cult to see what it's about, and like, oh, okay, my sister says you're taking good care of her. Okay, so she, you think that it's like altruistic. She's just trying to save the sister, but then you find out, like, then she tries. You know, she does the chair flip backwards, and she's got the guy tie the. Yeah, she turns into like. She, yeah, she turns into like murdering badass. Yeah, and I'm like, wait, what the hell? Well, they like, do they do set up the weird. idea that she's trying to protect her sister and that she's always tried to protect her sister. She they set up the idea of like an abusive father or stepfather figure. Yeah. Um her her little sister's a whack job. Uh it looks like they're trying to mirror her sister after one of the Manson family that stabbed um god, I can't remember their names. What's it though? She's a woman who just came up for parole recently. Yeah, the uh, Malibu murders. Uh and she was actually denied parole. Yeah. Even though she's crazy old and probably yeah. harmless. Well, but, you know, and then the other thing that I thought was interesting is you have Jeff Bridges' character who, you know, you see him in prison because he did time for the, you know, the theft. Um, you see him talking to a doctor and basically it's either he has dementia or Alzheimer's or something wrong where he can't remember But in remember the 70s, they didn't really have a clear picture on exactly. what any of those diseases were. They just knew that they happened. So which is why then, it, you know, it kind of circles back to the front where he was like, I couldn't remember which room he told me that he was going to hide it in, whether it was room four or room five. So you get a really great moment of uh, the, the singer. They're hanging out in the cafe area. Of the El Royale. Mm -hmm. And he's like, oh, I'm going to have a drink. So he pours himself a drink. And then he finishes it. And he goes, oh, I'm going to have another. You should join me. And he talks her into having one. And so he, as he's going to go pour them, and you can see he's clearly drugging hers, she sneaks up behind him and whacks him over the head with a bottle of wine. Which, by the way, would probably kill you. Would definitely kill somebody that old. Although, fun fact, I was watching this thing about The Walking Dead. And it's like, a you know, one of those like Mythbusters things about the Walking Dead. Oh, like, yeah. And it's like, here's the thing. The skull does not get softer as you deteriorate. That's why bones and skeletons are around for hundreds of years after the flesh falls off your Millions. body. So yeah. when they show somebody with no effort whatsoever, shit, like, like stab somebody through the temple with a screwdriver, like a zombie through the temple with a screwdriver, like it's a hot knife through butter. Well, they make it seem like it's this like paper mache skull. Yeah, it's like wait, what? And, and their and their answer to that is, oh well, the body decomposes because it's not a living thing anymore. It's like the skin would, the skin, all the flesh would, but bones last. Ugh. That's calcium. Anyway, anyway, uh, um, I forgot what got me on that tangent, but yeah, Dakota Johnson. I didn't buy. I never buy anything she does. I don't think she's a great actress, and I also think Chris Hemsworth kind of ruined this movie. Well, you know, I feel like you kind of... So I, I knew going into the film that Chris Hemsworth was going to play the sort of overall villain. But you get to a film in this where it's like, all right, well, everyone's a shitty human being for the most part. Yeah, except know. for the singer. She except for the singer. There's, there's right. nothing she against her just, in terms of... She's our innocent in the movie. 
Right. And you actually see there's there's a very interesting moment in one of her flashbacks where, you know, she is approached by a guy basically saying, I'm going to make all your dreams come true. Give me a year and all you need to do is, you know, you know. And you then he says, otherwise, you're going to be I don't know. Otherwise, (laughs) you're going to be doing these gigs outside Reno. Well, then you come to find out that she's there. She's making like eight dollars to do or twelve dollars or whatever to do this. Yeah, He makes this big stink about like my time. Capitol Records is paying me $200 an hour. What are they paying you? And she's like, oh, $12 a day. Oh, so more right. of your time I take, the less it's worth. So anyway, so you get to you get to the point that she's sort of the probably best character. She's the innocent know? in the film. But at the same time, you know, she all she's really guilty of is trying to save herself. And, you know, she has this great moment with Chris Hemsworth. But to circle back, he was not the best villain i don't know if it was the writing or the way it was kind of presented i mean i guess you're supposed to think of him as like he seduces the young girl so you're supposed to maybe feel that um well, it's like- but then it comes back and he's like he shows up with these like goons to come and get the girl back. Well, it's the Manson family. That's essentially what that's supposed to be and it's like what bothered me about his portrayal of the cult leader is Charles Manson is one of the um He's the the ultimate cult leader mm-hmm. in that he lives by the rules he sets and he believes in the madness that he spreads. Right. Well, or believe. Sorry, madness, he's dead now. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah. Um, but to him, he he lives by it. You saw cracks in the armor in that character. I do not believe he was insane as you should be to play that character. I think there are other actors that would have done a better job in that role. Uh, like who? Who would you recast that as? I would have cast. Uh, well, if this movie was made like fifteen years ago, I would have cast um, Peter Sarsgaard. P- okay, Peter Sarsgaard. I think it's Peter Sarsgaard. Yeah. One of the Sarsgaards. Mm-hmm. The the one that was in Loveless. Yeah. I think he would have done perfect. You know what's funny is I was reading this interesting article, and I think it, um I hope I'm quoting it right. I think it's from Variety, but the writer director Drew Drew Goddard he was saying that the second he was done finished writing this, that he his first call was to Chris Hemsworth, and I just find that really interesting because I feel like okay, so he's probably you know I know that he directed him in his directorial in Cabin debut in, the Woods. in Cabin in the Woods. Yeah. Which was also but, one of Chris Hemsworth's first but, big things. But, okay, so let me let me put something else out there. Why would you cast Chris Hemsworth? If you wanted to use him, why not put him in the John Hamm role? Yeah. I mean, maybe because he dies pretty well, quickly. We can also talk about but, Hemsworth's American accent is all over the damn place. Yeah, just a little bit. Like, <laughs> there are some actors, some foreign actors that do American accents just terrifyingly well well and then you hear them speak australian or whatever and you're like oh my god you're an aussie like i would never know uh yvonne strahovski is one of them oh yvonne strahovski (laughs) is a great like valley girl she's probably one of the best like all american accents absolutely there are but yeah there are some european or or foreign actors because he's australian accent aside i just don't think this was the right role for him like i I, I love directors that want to work with the same actors but it just i don't know yeah it wasn't this was a box office move like weird and you know this and this is what frustrates me this was a box office move because dakota johnson because of her 50 shades of grade fame Mm -hmm. is going to get all the people who love that franchise mostly women right and chris hemsworth comes with the, the, the Marvel women. fame. Yeah, he's going to get all the other women. Probably there's, there's probably a bit large crossover between the women who like Fifty Shades of Grey and the women who like his abs. Sure. Uh, but he's a lot of abs, ladies. You're going to get 
the Thor fandom. Yeah. And you're going to get the Fifty Shades of Grey fandom. And that is 100% my opinion why they cast Chris Hemsworth as this character. Because two recasts make this a movie as good as Pulp Fiction and would go down as big of a classic as Pulp Fiction. And you know the thing is, is I you y'all know I love Chris Hemsworth. I think he's really a great actor. And However, he seems like a really good person. You know, and I said this before um, last week with Jenny Slate in Venom. I just don't think it was her role. Yeah. Now it doesn't mean that she's bad. I just don't think it was her role. I don't think this was Chris Hemsworth. I don't think this was his role. Well, it's like any job, right? Like if you're an engineer, I'm not going to hire you to, I don't know run my company that does you know dog grooming yeah meanwhile if you're a five you know michelin star chef i'm not gonna hire you to build my rocket you know there are right people for right jobs and i just don't think that chris hemsworth is the right guy for this job and again for dakota johnson i'm sure she's a wonderful human being i just can't stand her acting Mm, i i don't think she ruins everything she's in but i feel like if you put her in a pivotal role like that You are robbing the movie of somebody who has better chops. Well, I think one thing that you run into with a mystery thriller like this is that you lose some of the... Because you're then relying on the acting to sort of throw off the audience with all the little turns and sharp turns and corners. And with her, it's just it was a little flat behind the eyes. And it's like, well, you're not hiding anything because it just looks blank. As opposed to trying to... Oh, yeah, there's to, no soul behind those eyes, for sure. Well, as, try, as opposed to trying to, like, throw you off, you yeah. know? like, And that's where I think the actress playing Darlene did really well. There were you two know? two major shout-outs. We'll start with not, not a shout-out, per se, but Jeff Bridges always does what Jeff Bridges does. He does. Just knocks it out of the damn park, and that's what happens when you work with an Oscar-nominated... And I actually think an Oscar-winning actor. We'll have to look that up, but pretty yeah, sure he he's was, an Oscar he winner. amazing. Uh, but... Lewis Pullman, who plays Miles Miller, mm-hmm. the bellhop, is such a fantastic actor in terms of his story is he's a Vietnam vet who has seen too many awful things, who becomes a junkie, who then starts working at this weird freaking hotel where he sees lots more awful things. And he goes and he expounds on some of the awful things that he's seen. And they are weird and gruesome and awful. And then he ex- there's a moment where uh, Cynthia Erivo who plays Darlene, asks him, he goes, I can't kill any more people. And she goes, how many people have you killed? And he says, and he right off, without hesitation, he goes, 123. And then that gives us a flashback about him being like a sharpshooter in Vietnam. And you can see what kind of changed him as a human being to bring him to who we see now as the, you know, heroin addict who's seeking redemption from God. And the whole time he's asking Jeff Bridges to give him confession because he thinks Jeff Bridges is a priest. Turns out Jeff Bridges is not a priest. He's a bank robber. Um, but so he, he's my first shout out. I think he did an amazing job. I think his character arc was done incredibly well. And then to who I think the star of this film was, was Cynthia Erivo. Because mm-hmm. like you said, she has that beautiful moment with Chris Hemsworth where she basically, she's tied to a chair. She knows she's probably going to die. And she still says, I'm not afraid of you. I'm not anything by you. I'm just tired and bored and i've seen your kind before and you don't scare me you just 
exhaust me. <laughs> and he starts to open up his mouth to say something, and he's like, and she goes, save it. I've heard it. Yeah. And, and she, she just and she cuts d- him in his tracks. And she, you know what? She shuts him up. Yeah. It's so it's so quiet, but it's it's that was such a great moment. On top of the fact that it's an insanely meaty role. Yeah. Like, I don't know what she's done before this. I know she doesn't have a huge... Uh, like and a huge IMDb set of credits, but I know she's got a lot ahead of her, which I think is really exciting, especially after this movie. Yeah, well, I, got, I want to do a little more digging at her. I think, um, I think she's a singer. I, th- I saw her at the Tony Awards. So well, I she think, certainly I think she's sang, a Broadway singer. She certainly I sang a to... lot in this movie and killed it. Man, boy, yeah. she has a killer oh, voice. Just amazing. And, I guess uh, like, the music was really good, and yeah, half of the soundtrack is her singing. Yeah. You know, to kind of provide the mood and everything. Killer soundtrack great. for this movie for sure. I think they yeah. really nailed it in the filmmaking essence. Mm-hmm. Right, like yeah, it's let's a talk good about script. the filmmaking. Yeah, it's a oh, it's a good script. Mm-hmm. As you pointed out, it's amazingly well shot. Yeah, and the soundtrack is brilliant. You can't here's the thing: you can't f up a movie that's set in the late sixties, early seventies. I know you because you're going to rely heavily on the music. Although I really do wish that they would just let Deep Purple go away, <laughs> like. For every scene where the creepy guy is dancing creepy or doing something creepy, just let 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 Steelers Wheel and let Deep Purple just go away. <laughs> All right, yeah. I don't need to be stuck in the middle with you while somebody cuts a guy's ear off, and I definitely don't need any Deep Purple while Chris Hemsworth is dancing sexy for Jeff Bridges. So, from a cinematography aspect, I just want to point this out. One of the beautiful things about the particular hotel and the way it's set up, I mean kudos to the to the set dressers and the and the set design also the sound design was phenomenal oh absolutely but visually when you're looking at it you know like i was saying there's this big red line that runs down the entire center of the lobby which is where a lot of the action ends up taking place at the very back of the film what you get is you have a certain blue purple lighting on the vegas side and on the california side it's this golden amber oh that makes a lot more sense now it's very heavy-handed good versus evil yeah so what happens is you know usually uh in in filmmaking you don't cross the line you don't break the line break the string whatever you want to call it um so you know you're shooting from one aspect so you're shooting you know uh chris hemsworth close up but behind him is all this purple you know and then you flip and then behind the other characters is this uh very gold so it's very jarring to the eye but you also have set up the space so well previously in the film that you understand that it's all the same space you know because usually you always you're working on color correction and light color correction and lighting but in this one it actually plays a huge part in the filmmaking so as a filmmaker myself i really enjoyed that because i think that's that's really cool that kind of attention to detail and you know i think that's where uh, you want to win some awards technically for that film. Speaking of awards, um, I did look it up. Jeff Bridges won in 2010 for Crazy Heart. He won Best Actor. Nice. Yeah, and again, you you hire Jeff Bridges because you know Jeff Bridges is going to do what Jeff Bridges does, and he always, always knocks it out of the park. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not that I'm unimpressed by his performance because I'm not. I love Jeff Bridges, but. When you get to be in a room with somebody like him, you have to knock it out of the park. And I think that I think that Chris Hemsworth and Dakota Johnson failed to do so. However, I think that Lewis Pullman and Cynthia Erivo just just crushed it. And Cynthia actually has a lot of scenes with Jeff. And mm-hmm. together, boy, like they, theirs were the most compelling scenes. And that's why I think the movie had to end with the three of those characters. Because they yeah. had just their chemistry together is a threesome. 
There's a lot of tension that happens in this film, and I think you have to, you, that always happens with a thriller. But one of my favorite scenes, because you have no idea what's going to happen, you have Dakota Johnson, who's found the corridor, and she's walking it with her gun, you know, kind of looking at all the rooms, and you go into the room where you see Darlene singing straight at the mirror, and then she starts doing, you know, she starts singing to herself and then she starts clapping. But you can see she has a look out the side of her eyes where she's looking down at Jeff Bridges, who's trying to pry the floorboards up. It's very much he, like that Indiana Jones moment with the stamp. Exactly. Yeah. And I was just like, yeah. So that was a great scene. And also they have this way behind there where you like click on um, the speaker. So she was listening to it. And then you see like Dakota Johnson, like break down a little bit with the song that she's singing. And, you know, I mean, I I don't know. It was just, that was, that was cool because how would you know who's back there? What's happening? You just kind of are assuming that this is all happening, but there's just no, my issue with Dakota Johnson is like, you don't see those emotional changes on her face. I saw it a little bit in that one scene, but after that, it was like, uh, <laughs> I don't know. There wasn't just, enough to make, it wasn't enough to be compelling. Yeah. But, well, I think I wanted to see her be a little bit different than this, the sister. Yeah. Because the sister was very stone cold, very crazy. like, yeah, very like kind of quiet, crazy. So I feel like you had an opportunity there to kind of show the opposition. Okay. Let's, but, let's pretend we're playing poker. Okay. And each one of the actors in this, main main actors in this is a card. Mm, okay. You get to discard as many as you like and draw new cards. <laughs> which ones are you which ones are you going for? I'm going to discard Dakota and Chris. Okay, and who are you hoping you get in exchange? Mm. That's the thing. I was thinking about who would play the Dakota Johnson role. And actually you said this earlier, um, that, you know, Back in back if she, when she was you know mid twenties, Julianne Moore. Oh, it would have killed it. Would it? But would Julianne made, Moore is a phenomenal actress. Well, but that that's why I want to put a good, really good actor in that in that role. Um, because you know the thing is, I think it was pivotal, pivotal, pivot. Wow, it was pivotal. You and Jeff pivot- Bridges are having the <laughs> same God. issue. It was an important enough role. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> I've been drinking. Sorry, it was an important enough role that I think. You really needed a, a really, really strong actor. I don't know. I just the, well, the thing is, is and I like if Dakota you didn't Johnson, have Dakota just... Johnson in this film, like that character, not the actor. If you didn't have that character in this film, none of the other shit happens. If Dakota Johnson mm-hmm. is not in this film, Jeff Bridges rolls up, gets his money. Uh, Cynthia Erivo is on her way to her singing gig, and John Hamm debugs the hotel and finds the footage of Kennedy. Yeah, because not at, at at no point was he really concerned about the other guests at the El Royale. Yeah. Aside from once he finds all the bugs, calls Hoover, John Hamm is then given the directive to not let anybody leave. So he rips until the- he finds the footage, because they're they're pretty sure that there's footage of some there's some incriminating footage against some American politician. They, they allude to the idea that there's footage of John F. Kennedy beating up a prostitute. Yeah, but they never say that, but they do say, oh, that, well, who cares? That guy's dead. Yeah, so they, they beat know? us over the head with the fact that currently Nixon is president. Mm-hmm. And that, you see it on a newsreel. And that the person in this footage is a politician who's dead, who was beloved by everyone. Yeah. And that it would be uh, uproarious if his reputation was damaged by something like this. So you can kind of put the pieces together that it's probably John F. Kennedy. Mm-hmm. They tell you what he's doing in the footage that he's having sex with a prostitute and then he beats the shit out of her. Yeah. Um, but 
Yeah, so the John Hamm has to stick around and find that footage. Right. And then but without Dakota Johnson killing John Hamm, the rest of the other the rest of the stuff is not set off, right? Because John Hamm takes because his orders are not to let anybody live, so or leave rather. So he screws up their cars, finds the footage, fixes their cars, then everybody goes on their merry way the next morning. Yeah. Except for maybe the heroin addict bellhop. But he saw that she had a kid tied up and assumed that there was foul play and even though here's the thing even though he was told to not not to interfere he does anyway and that's honestly what happens because when she blows john ham away she breaks the mirror because she could have also killed him up against the door and then she wouldn't have had or she could have explained what was happening she could have been like mister this is my sister i'm trying to save her from this cult she has to be tied up because she's lost her damn mind yeah but see no Yep. But Didn't then you don't have the rest of the movie. Yeah. So if you're going to recast... We're, we're, we're pulling it threads. <laughs> okay, so try and pick actors for today. If you're going to mm-hmm. deco- recast Dakota Johnson and Chris Hemsworth, who do you pick? Oh, God. Um, I, tell you, you I wanna... choose Aubrey Plaza Okay. to recast as Dakota. And for Chris, I you know, I liked your suggestion of Sarsgaard, um, but I would go... I think he's too old at this point. Yeah. Well, because my initial thought, I was like, oh, that would be great with like a Sam Rockwell. But I think the idea he's is also that he's a supposed to be, well, yeah, he's supposed to be this sort of really attractive, young, hippie guy, you know. Um, you know who I think uh, would actually be fucking amazing? Hmm. Tom Hiddleston. Oh, okay. I could see that. I right? could see that for sure. Yeah. 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 I think Tom Hiddleston would have, which is funny because if you guys know the story, Tom Hiddleston originally auditioned for Thor and got Loki. (laughs) Which I think is the better role. (laughs) I also think he does it better than anybody else would have done it. But I think that somebody like Tom Hiddleston or like a David Tennant would be kind of cool. Okay. Um, I can see that. I just don't think Chris Hemsworth can tap into that kind of sociopathy. Like, I don't think he could be a big enough psychopath. Yeah. And I think everything we've seen Chris Hemsworth in, he's some shade of Thor. That's why he does Thor so well. Yeah, I, no, I'd have to agree with that. Uh, so you sorry, you said Aubrey Plaza for Dakota Johnson? Yeah, I think that would be good because I think she's got something kind of dark, you know, where... Well, I will definitely say Aubrey Plaza is way better as an actress. She has a way higher range of emotion for sure. Mm-hmm. I don't know who I'd recast. I think Aubrey Plaza is a pretty solid one. And I think if I if I were going to go a little bit deeper, I might recast John Hamm. Um, uh, yeah, but you know, I I like John Hamm. I think he did a he I think he did a really good job here. I think he did a good enough job. I'm hit or miss on John Hamm. I I think if I were going to replace him, it would be with somebody who has a very similar essence, but that I like watching get shot more, like maybe a James Marsden. Okay. Because I can't watch James Marsden get shot enough times. I'm just saying. Watch Westworld. It'll make you happy. <laughs> so <laughs> I think that's about it for the movie this week. What are you looking up? Um, there was an actor and his name, I, I couldn't figure it out. Oh, uh, Richard Madden. Okay. And well, who is he? he uh, I would recast him as the uh, as the Chris as, Hemsworth role. Okay. And what's he from? Uh, he's from like Game of Thrones. He played uh, the prince in Cinderella. And yeah. So anyway. All right. So. I don't remember which one he is. You have to show me a picture later. Oh, yeah. I'll show you a picture later. Anyway. Yeah, because I, I couldn't think of his name. So two <laughs> thumbs, one thumb, no thumbs. Uh, you know what? Um, 
I think overall I'm going to give it two thumbs. And why? Because and at the end of it, now, now that I think about it, I really did enjoy the film. It threw me off enough where I was sitting back and enjoying it. Um, the only reason I hesitated was it was a bit long and a bit drawn out. And I could have done with a little bit extra comedy, although the final little cherry on the end of the final scene was perfectly planned and everybody in the theater giggled just a little bit. <laughs> Damn it, Jerry. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of uh, when you so bring good. Aubrey Plaza into it, speaking of Parks and Rec alum. Maybe that's why I had we, it on my brain or something. <laughs> we get yeah. a We get a cameo from the great Jerry Gergich. Yeah, right. Uh, it was everybody in the theater snickered. It was really a great moment. <laughs> Um, I'm going to give this guy a one thumb because I think the writing was really good. Mm -hmm. I think the cinematography was amazing. I think the sound design was great. And I, But like I said, you can't really F up a movie that's set in the 60s or 70s because the music is... Well, but the sound design, even even the rain and you know the way everything kind of worked together, I thought was really well done. Um, I'm going to say the music was better than the sound design. But the the visual and audio worked really well together like when guns went off people don't realize in real life how how violent a gunshot actually is the sound of a gun going off is enough to make you shit your pants the first time like yeah. i remember i you know I've, I've i've been to the gun range before that first it doesn't matter how many times you go to a gun range and that how many times one. you've heard a gun mm -hmm. go off that first shot makes you crap your pants just a little even with earmuffs and stuff on so I think it did a really good job of how visceral and violent guns are. And oh, how... yeah. Everyone in the theater jumped. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. But when John Hamm got shot, because mm -hmm. you kind of weren't also not expecting John Hamm to die. Yeah. I think right? they set that up as like he's the hero of the film and then and boom. Wait, what? <laughs> and, and quickly they went, there are no heroes in this movie, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Which was like, great. Cool. It was great. It was fantastic. So I feel like I should have known that. Bad times at the El Royale. <laughs> everything was great except for the casting. They were casting on a cash grab. And I mm. think that hurt the film. Yeah. But yeah, that's just my opinion. Yeah. Maybe this movie will age well. Maybe future generations. Because I didn't see Pulp Fiction when it was brand new. So I'm sure there were some people that were like, man, I really don't like John Travolta. Or I really don't like. Yeah. Cause, well, cause well that film I can't think of anybody there not to like. Because Harvey Keitel is amazing. Well, but Sam Jackson is amazing. probably had, for a lot of people seeing that film, I have to imagine it was the first time they were seeing a lot of those actors. That's true. Even though they had done other stuff previously. But, well, I but mean, like, like Sam Jackson wasn't really huge before Pulp Fiction, was he? Um, That was his big like breakout, breakout role. There but were he definitely had done a lot some of other people before that. Like Ving Rhames was not huge mm -hmm. before that. Mm -hmm. Anyway, but who knows? This may, this may very well go down in history like Pulp Fiction. Yeah, maybe. I really think, I think that if you recast those two roles, it would it would absolutely in my book go yeah. down as Pulp Fiction. But it was casting for a casting on a cash grab, and I, it hurts a story. Yeah. So one thumb for me. Okay, two for me. So that leads us to this week in music, <laughs> where um, sadly we had to say goodbye to Sound Matrix Studios. Yeah. And for me, that was the first. That was the very first rehearsal studio I ever played in. It was the first time I ever got to play guitar with Dom, and he and I have been friends for over a decade now. A um, yeah. lot of a lot of memories in those halls. Sound Matrix has um, brought up a lot of bands. There's, you know, there's a lot of notable music videos that have been shot there that you guys are probably familiar with. But you know, it just was this really great place, and it's kind of sad to see any rehearsal space go. It kind of hurts our hearts. You know, you know, y'all know we love music, and well, it's because of what especially it means. local music. Yeah. You know, and having that space for people to go, and also. 
What I love about Sand Matrix is that it kind of has this really great sticky floor charm without actually having a sticky floor, you know, but it's sometimes, sometimes it does have the sticky floor, (laughs) but it's, you know, it's actually, it was a really well run place. It was very clean. It was very, you know, affordable and it's just sad to see it go. And it just kind of unfortunately got swallowed up by all these other brand new studios and, you know, and by the fact that people aren't starting bands anymore. Hey, if you're listening to this, start a band, stop, press pause, go out and start a band. (laughs) I'll wait. (laughs) But yeah, so it was an, it was really great to join forces again with Grow Music, and we got to meet some really amazing people. It's such a wonderful thing, and I love that they're going to continue to do it. So we're definitely not saying goodbye to the Grow Music, the Jam. No, sessions. those guys are going to keep yeah. working. So please continue to check them out. Follow them on Instagram at Grow Music uh, without the W. So it's G R O Music. And uh, we're going to keep posting their information on the website there. So you guys can keep checking that out. But it's the first and third Saturday of every month. So, yeah, and it was it was a bit bittersweet getting to play some songs in there. Mm-hmm. We, I mean, was it their jam sessions are three hours long. So we definitely got <laughs> our fill. Uh, but we'll, it'll definitely be missed. And it was nice. We brought some whiskey to the uh, jam session and we we toasted with had a everybody. little final toast yeah, had a little final toast uh, we toasted with old forester in case you're curious yeah. <laughs> um mostly because that was the least expensive large bottle of bourbon we could find <laughs> well because you know it's funny as we knew it was going to be one of the last jam sessions we were like i don't know how many people are coming That's up like, it could know? be 10 people it could be 50 people yeah. who knows yeah so and we, we gave away some t-shirts so yeah. that was good we will see some people in your neighborhood walking around with the, this is why we can't have nice things t-shirt anyway <laughs> so that's why we don't have music for you guys this week because we were off making music which brings us to my favorite part of the week. Ladies and gentlemen, why can't we have nice things? Mm, this week, why we can't have nice things is... American sports tribalism. Or just sports tribalism in general. Well, and I, well, okay, so let's, let's focus on America. Because I know the world over with when it comes to football and sl- soccer. soccer. It's soccer in this country. All right, Thank all right. you. <laughs> but the world over. You know, everybody gets really excited about that. Now... Here in America, I feel like we're we're in the midst of the Dodgers, you know. So in Los Angeles, everybody's like, you know, rushing to the bars to watch the game, even though they haven't watched who, a game the whole season. I don't even know um, who's fighting for the American League right now. I only know the National yeah. League. But so what you have is you have all these people and they get really excited and that's great. But what happened actually earlier today at the bar, we were sitting there watching the Bears game. Cause because I'm, I'm a as Bears you know, fan. Kat's a Bears mm-hmm. fan. Um, so I'm a Bears fan. And Plus, I was, we watched the Eagles kick ass on Thursday, so exactly. they weren't playing today. So we were, um, and we watched the Eagles on Amazon Prime. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. How great is that? Can we just, <laughs> we'll just take it. We're not sponsored by Amazon, but I am super excited that Amazon's going to carry the NFL package next year. Oh, my God. I really hope it comes true. Uh, I think they're testing the waters so with the Thursday football. Hey, so if you're amazing. listening at home, go get Amazon Prime and watch football on Thursdays. <sighs> so please. worth it. Prime video. Um, anyway. Uh, yeah, so we were sitting at the bar, and I'm not a very loud sports person, and we were sitting in a... Oh, we've s- definitely been way more obnoxious than we were today. Oh, we yeah. Didn't even, there was no clapping. There was no yelling at the television. We were just kind of casually chatting about the game. Well, there was a couple of, oh, yeah, good play, good play, you know? But, not like, for that's us. It. We did not clap once. I think I clapped. I, I think it was like a triple clap at one point. I did clap when <laughs> they shot Dakota Johnson in the movie. Okay. Just- <laughs> a few people did. Um, <laughs> but... I, you know, and then all of a sudden I'm sitting there and I'm two bar seats down from someone and she goes, I think you're in the wrong bar. 
And I was like, excuse me? Like keeping in mind the cat is decked out in all of her bear's gear. And this girl is she's she's just wearing civ- civilian clothes, except for she's got a dolphin's like Livestrong bracelet. Yeah, she's got like a white t-shirt, jeans, and this. The other thing, too, is I wasn't shouting at the TV. I wasn't saying, oh, the dolphins suck. You guys go home. Blah. But we clearly offended like, her enough to throw cash down and walk out. Like, yeah, she didn't well, even finish her lunch. And you know what? Yeah. You know what's funny is I actually think part of it was the bartender. Because the bartender comes over. He leans on the bar and he looks up at the TV that we're looking at. And, you know, because they just made a really great play. It was a huge pass. Anyway. A huge pass, huge run. And I was like, yeah, that's awesome. That was you know? a very John Madden description of it. <laughs> uh, well, Osweiler threw an interception and the Bears ran it back for almost a touchdown. Yeah. Big play though, right? So I was I was excited. So I was like, yeah, that was awesome. And the and the bartender, you know, he's leaning there. He's like, oh, what a great play and awesome pass. I don't remember and what like he said. Like three seconds after that, she throws cash on the bar yeah, and F's I off. Just like, I was just like, chill. First yeah. of all, you came to the bar by yourself. You know, so maybe like you don't have somebody to watch the game with you. Like, I get it. It's fine. Cool. And also, I feel like I'm a very non-threatening person where I could sit at the bar and watch the game and we could sit there and just, we're you know, we're just eating some food and hanging out. We weren't even drinking. Like, it's I, not like we were like being drunk people at the bar. I am 10 times more obnoxious when we go out to watch the Eagles play. Like, yeah. thankfully, last Sunday when they lost to the uh, Vikings, we were at an Eagles bar. Yeah, that so was we were helpful. in good company. I can't, I can't believe how many non-Eagles people were at that bar. But though, I got considering... But I gotta say, you remember the guy who's at the bar watching the 49ers oh, game? Yeah, he was like, he was like Raiders fan loud. He was, he was screaming, like screaming. And he's the only Niners fan in this place, by the way. It's, it's, it's eighty yeah. percent Philly fans, right? Because we got the sound up on the Eagles game. And then I think there. there was like a Steelers fan, a Raiders fan a rams fan but he was screaming he was swearing he was like smacking the wall with his hand i was like i was losing his damn mind i was like can we get this guy out of here like he was crazy like and the thing is is like i wanted to ask the bartender because this is the first time that we had been there to watch an eagles game i wanted to ask the bartender if that guy's a regular because i'm not going back like you officially lost customers because you can't tell that guy to calm the f down yeah well interesting is like we all get worked up about sports especially when it's like an important game like when the eagles play the cowboys yeah i get worked up yeah oh sure like you like you do when the Bears play the the Packers, mm-hmm. but it was like the Niners and the Ravens or some nonsense like that. And I'm like they're not rivals. Well, also it's early enough in the season. Everybody chill out, you know. But yeah. like this is not the their last shot to get into the playoffs. Yeah, sit there, root for your team, hoot and holler, but don't scream, don't swear. Like you know, there's no reason for that. He you was know? one step shy away from yelling at it at the other patrons in the bar. The only I thought he upside, was going to put his head through the wall like, just the, because. The only reason I think he didn't yell at the other patrons is that none of them were there for the opposing team. Yeah. Yeah. Bizarre. Anyway, so. so so that's our story for today. Yeah, I'm gonna flashback three years, mm. and I'm I'm I may have even told this story on this show before. I think you have, and you know what? It bears repeating. I was about to say it bears Go repeating. Go for it. Tribalism, and yeah. you know what the thing is, tribalism even hits with the new members in the tribe, uh, or those trying to join the tribe. So I've been an Eagles fan since 2005, uh, back when McNabb. Donovan McNabb and Terrell Owens were running the show out in Philly. Uh, the fateful year where they lost the Super Bowl to the Pats, mm. which is why it was such sweet justice to watch Nick Foles hand that son of a bitch's ass. <laughs> uh, three years ago. Three years ago in December. Yep. 
We're sitting in a bar in Vegas for my 30th birthday. I got my McNabb jersey on, the the uh, the black and green colored jersey, because that's the only one you should own. And we're just, Nick, picture it, Nick Foles is our quarterback. He's our starting quarterback that season. He breaks his collarbone two weeks before. So we're stuck with Sanchez. I've said it before. I've said it again. Sanchez is the worst person to have ever picked up a football. I refuse to call him the worst athlete to have ever picked up a football because that would be calling him an athlete, which would be an insult to athletes everywhere. Okay. (laughs) So I'm sitting there crying into my beer, watching my Eagles just get their asses handed to them by the Cowboys. And this was our shot to make the playoffs, to seal the playoffs. Mm -hmm. And we're just, we're just Sanchez mistake after Sanchez mistake after Sanchez mistake after Sanchez fumble. It was like watching an Eagles blooper reel. It was absolutely like watching. It was, it a, was a rough game. It was like watching a decade's worth of blooper reel in fifteen minutes. But how was? How did you react? I cried into my beer quietly. Me right, and the two other like, oh, Eagles man, fans that were head. in the bar yeah. cried into our beers. We didn't yell at the television. We didn't clap. We didn't scream. We didn't yell at the referees because it was pretty clear that we were doing it to ourselves. Yeah. Meanwhile, these two broads at the bar wearing Demarco Murray jerseys. And you could tell that at least one of them didn't know who the fuck he was because they still had their fucking tags on their jerseys, mm. right? Which you only do if you're they're brand new or you're planning on returning them, I guess. I, <laughs> I don't know. Meanwhile, they're taunting us from the other side of the bar. They're cursing at us. They're yelling things at us. They're taunting us. I'm like, lady, you don't. We're strangers, first of all. Second of all, rude. But thirdly, you don't know me. You don't know if I'm crazy or not just because I'm sitting here crying into my beer. I might get up and mess you up in front of your boyfriend. Yeah, well, and these two girls. And then I'll mess your boyfriend up just to teach him a lesson for dating a moron. Yeah, well, one of them was like crawling on the bar seats and stuff. And I was like, have some respect. But also, keep in mind, it is pouring rain outside. We are inside a restaurant that is not part of a casino. Now, if you tried to do this inside a casino where people have money on the game, you would be out of there so fast it would make your head spin. You might get murdered before the security even gets to you. Yeah. Because you get to to some of those sports books and those guys are... Mm just I mean, mean well because also you have you know you get towards the end of that game people start getting nervous they're losing money they're losing thousands of dollars yeah. and to have you go nah, 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 oh my and throw God. ice you cubes get, across the yeah, room you would get i'm sorry beat. yeah you'd get beat to hell so the fact that like and you know so again this isn't a crazy but you know that's bar. why their boyfriends didn't take them to the sports book because you can drink right? in the sports book you can drink anywhere in the casino you can get the drinks. guys are like honey i can't defend yeah. you there it's like during the game you can get a drink anywhere in the freaking casino yeah. and watch the game you right. could play black you'd be sitting there playing blackjack and we watched in fact i think we watched the cardinals kick the crap out of somebody last time we were in vegas yeah uh, we were playing poker yeah and yeah. we were just sitting there playing uh hold them mm-hmm. so you could watch the game anywhere you know they didn't let their girlfriends watch the game in the casino because some gambler would have kicked the crap out of all of them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's just like, girl, like, calm down. And also, I was like, not to be insensitive or anything, but do you watch football or are you just no, drunk? Or, so like, I, it was just their reactions to things were very bizarre. What was funny to like, me, she's, too. At one point, she goes, what does that yellow flag mean? I'm like, yeah. oh, Lord. The, the just desserts <laughs> about this is, as I said earlier, they were wearing DeMarco Murray jerseys. And if you guys paid attention to the draft and the trades that went like, on the season shiny after. shiny white jerseys. <laughs> yeah. But if you pay attention to who got traded where the season after, mm. DeMarco Murray was an eagle the next season. <laughs> 
so suck uh, it. That's funny. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, so yeah, just come on, guys, behave. Like we can all enjoy the game. It's good sportsmanship. Come Rivalries on. are not fun when somebody gets hurt, right? Like nothing kills me more. And we'll all end on this story because this is the worst. This is the worst one. It does not pay to be a Giants fan in Los Angeles. I'm I'm year after year. And I'm a Dodgers fan. I don't like baseball, but when pushed to it, I have to root for the Dodgers because I grew up in Los Angeles. Yeah. I'm year after year. I'm disappointed in Dodger fans every time we go up against the Giants because it seems like every year I read the headline: Giants fan in hospital due to fight with Dodgers fan. And like the last yeah. time I read it, it was some drunk a hole. Well, he was there with his mom, who was also drunk, and they beat the crap out. They put this dude in the hospital. Yeah. And I'm like, guys, it's just a game. You're getting into a fight over a bunch of dudes who barely got college educations getting paid millions of dollars to play a game. And you know what? When the players leave the field, they shake hands, they say good game, they go to their separate locker rooms. I wish there was a good game section as you left the bar. And <laughs> like high five. And good game, by good the game. way, <laughs> most of those guys are all freaking friends because at some point or another, they'll end up playing on the same team. Yeah. You notice you don't see fights in sports as often because most of those a-holes will end up on the same team at some point in their career. Well, I remember it was a huge deal when Julius Peppers went from the Carolina Panthers to play for the Bears, and then we played the the Panthers, and it was just Oh, we like, were there when they... Yeah. Oh, we were there. He got booed mm-hmm. when they called his name They called in, him Judas. Yeah. I was just like, oh, damn. That was like, rough. That was, that was ruthless, but yeah, like, good Lord. But you know what? He anyway. and he and Brian Urlacher were a, a force to be reckoned with. But yeah, good anyway. game, good game, sportsmanship. That's all we're asking but from it's like, the look, players and from the people yeah. at the bar. If if Kershaw is going to go out, yeah. If if Kershaw is going to go out and have a drink with the pitcher from the Giants afterwards, because they may inevitably be pitching back to back on the same team someday, you can chill the fuck out when it comes to <laughs> ragging on somebody else at the bar. You didn't score that touchdown. You didn't hit that home run. Calm the fuck down. And as we always say, drink responsibly, guys. Even yeah. at the bar, even if you got a ride home, don't be that guy. No one wants to be that guy, you know? Well, here's the thing. It's just a practical thing. Yeah. If you're talking smack at a bar, understand that you're one hit away from being the dude that gets carried out in the ambulance. Mm-hmm. You may think you're hot shit, and you may think you're going to kick that guy's ass, but you don't know that guy. You're yeah. one punch away from being the guy who ends up on the wrong end of that fight. So mm-hmm. just... Chill the fuck out. Yeah, it's just enjoy a game. The game. Enjoy the game. If your team doesn't win, order another beer and go home. Yeah. Without incident. Because mm-hmm. I always say, drinking is cool. But staying alive to drink the next time is cooler. So be safe and be smart. And please drink responsibly, guys. Have a great weekend, everybody.